Welcome to the New Freedom Church Podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. This is the time of year where we settle down just enough to have a meal, to fellowship with one another, to gather around the table those that we love and know the best and give thanks. Hopefully you have that opportunity to do that. So for the next couple of weeks, I want us to turn our attention to how that we can align our hearts and position ourselves to truly be people of thanksgiving. If you're like me, you uh, notice that in the stores, probably just after they put away all the fireworks displays, they were already putting out the back-to-school supplies, and you're thinking to yourself, is it already time for that? But then about two aisles down, you go on, and you see that they already have Christmas stuff starting to occupy the shelves, and you're thinking, goodness, can we just not rush this? I mean, we're already getting to the end of the year. How does this even happen? And maybe you find yourself in this tension right now in life where it seems like your days just spin into weeks, and before you know it, another month has clicked off the calendar, and now here we are facing another new year soon to be approaching. And so you you, you wonder, how is it that it seems like time is just speeding up? It's going faster. Can, can I get a witness? Anybody think that, man, just time, where does it go? It just speeds up. It goes so fast. Well, the reality is this, church. We are limited. As people, we are limited. We are limited in time. None of us have more than 24 hours in a day. I was once told that if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. Now, that kind of goes countercultural to our thinking, but really, a busy person is finding a way to get everything done. And unfortunately, many of you who are listening to this message today, you are those very busy people that someone is always asking for just one more thing. Just if you can help me with this one more thing. And because you're efficient, because you're dutiful, because you are a person of uh, high esteem and high stature and, and you, you like getting things done, you usually will take on those tasks even knowing that you are limited with only 24 hours. And so what happens is overwhelm can set in when we get more on our plate than what we can actually deal with. They call it having too many irons in the fire. If that's you, then this message may just speak to your heart today. But we're also limited in some other ways. We're limited in how much energy that we have to expend. There's only so much battery life in our bodies until it needs a rest and we need to, to respite. We need to have another time of, of recharge and renewal in our hearts. So we're limited when it comes to our energy. We're also limited when it comes to our resources. There's only so much uh, resource that we can put into something. We can only pour so much money into a project or a hobby or into our passion points. There's only so many things that we can take an interest in and actually fund those things because we're quite frankly limited and resources. And as tough as it is for us to acknowledge, we are also limited when it comes to talents. You and I are never going to be specialists at everything in life. We admire people who have specialties. We even will seek them out for their advice. And yet so often in life, we are looked upon by our family, our friends, maybe our children, maybe our parents, to be specialists in all of these areas, but we are limited when it comes to our talents. Therefore, we have to deal with certain limitations in life. But what if, let me ask you this, what if we were able to somehow break some of those limits? What if we could have a greater impact with the limits that we currently possess and do more things or be a more uh, functioning and fruitful human being, even with acknowledging those limits. Well, today I want to talk about 
the concept of margin. Everybody say that, margin. Andy Stanley defines margin like this. It is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Or another way would be the difference between what you have and what you need. The difference is margin. What you have, time, energy, talents, resources, and what you need. The problem in today's culture is what we have and what we need is a little bit flip-flopped, isn't it? We seem to need more than we have. Margin is showing up 10 minutes early. There's margin. Margin is having more money than there is month. Margin is the distance between you and that temptation. Margin is having, get this, an emotional reserve tank so that you can aptly pivot and you can deal with a life crisis when, not if, they come knocking at your door. Margin is having time to think, time to ponder. It is having that free space to dedicate to God. Having space is what margin is all about. So what do we call blank space on a page? Take a piece of paper, maybe in your Bible. What do we call blank space on a page? We call this the margin. Now, how many of us use that margin? This is Bible I've used for a while, and in some of these margins, I'll, I'll just write a little note. And if you're, if you're taking notes in your Bible, that's probably a pretty good thing. You can go back and you can reference that. So you can use that margin. You can use that blank space. But how many of us would admit we actually use up so much of the white space, the blank space, the margin of our day, of our life, of our energy, of our time, of our attention, of our talents? We get into the margin so often, and then we wonder, why am I so tired? Why does it seem my things are so fast and, and it's always approaching a new day? It's because we are limited and we limit ourselves to the urgent. But if we can break the limit for just a minute, there is a spiritual way that we can find in God's word that we can break some of these limits. The best things in life I have learned takes place in the margin, in the rest, in the pause, the power of margin. Look at Luke chapter 10. I want to read a couple verses here, starting in verse 38. This is a familiar passage. It's a story we've probably all heard before. It's regarding a, a dinner uh, that Jesus is invited to. You notice that Jesus likes to eat a lot. So for those of you like me who like to eat, Amen. you would be in good company with Jesus. Jesus is once again around a dinner table. He is invited to a dinner party. And Jesus is invited to this dinner party, and there happens to be two sisters who are going to be present at this party, and we know the story as Martha and Mary. But let's look at what it, the context says. It says, now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha, everybody say Martha, welcomed him into her house. And she, called, uh, her, and she had a sister called Mary, everybody say Mary. So we know the characters here, it's Jesus Martha and Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Everybody say the good part. 
I want us to talk this morning for a few minutes about the good part. There were two women. They both had the same opportunity. They were both hosting this dinner for Jesus. If you look at your life and you're comparing yourself with someone else, there may be differences, there may be similarities, but by and large, we have very similar opportunities. We all had an opportunity this morning to choose something rather than turning on our screen, watching our service online or coming and being together in the house of God. We all had an opportunity, something that was pulling at us that we could have easily chosen to do another task, to take up another hobby, another duty, to put in this margin space, this time of our week, something else. So we have two women and they both have similar opportunities. Mary, what we find about her is she worked within the margin. There were certainly other things that she could have done, but there was one thing, one important thing that she chose to do, and she sat at the feet of Jesus. I would say that she was basking at the feet of Jesus. She was taking time, enjoying the margin, living her best moment in the moment, in experiencing what it was like to sit at the feet of Jesus. When was the last time that you turned off all devices, that you opened up the window, opened the blinds, let the fresh air come in, and sat and pondered on God's creation? That you found yourself driving without the radio on and just talking to the Lord, whether it be verbal or in your heart? When was the last time that you seized upon a margin where you had 10 or 15 minutes available until the next thing, and instead of busily hurrying it with checking out all of the sports news and all the political stuff that's happening, that you calmed yourself and said, okay, Lord, here I am, your servant hears, speak. Because God is speaking through his word and by his spirit. He is directing and divining our lives if we will listen in that margin. So Mary could have done a lot of other things, but she was living in this story in the margin. What she needed is what she was doing in that moment. Now, Martha, on the other hand, she kept busy. There were a lot of tasks to do. She was uh, distracted not by bad things, but by urgent things. She was distracted by needful things, by necessary accompaniments of a dinner party. There were certain things that she must do. They were not unimportant. They were just not the most important. She wanted to make sure that everything looked nice and was perfect for Jesus. I have to respect Martha because there is something in her heart of service that she wants everything to be in place, everything to be right. She wants to impress. She's dressed to impress. She's putting on the finest of everything. Jesus is coming to her house. She's putting a dinner party. And let's be candid. If Jesus were coming to our house for a dinner party, we would want it to look nice, right? We would want to impress. We would want to make a, a, a statement in such way that Jesus would want to come back again. And I think this is the desire, this is the heart of Martha, is that she truly did care about all of the things that Mary cared about, but she had other things that were also on her mind. She had other things that were distracting her and taking her attention. Maybe Martha was a type A personality. Maybe Martha had this, this way about her that everything had to be right. She was like maybe a perfectionist. And maybe Mary is the free spirit of this story. And so you free spirits are connecting with this right now. You're like, hey, I'm the Mary. Like in every way in my life, I'm Mary. 
I wish that I could be more like Mary, but sometimes I find myself because of my title, because of my vocation, because of my position, because of, of my responsibility, I find myself having to step into the role of Martha. Are there anybody in here that would love to be a Mary, but you find yourself having to be the Martha because you look around and there's no other Marthas. So you say, I will be the Martha. And once again, I will be the Martha. I'll do the dishes. I'll do the cleaning. You all just have a good time. You all eat. You all just laugh it up. Is there one person, don't raise your hand and don't nudge them if they're next to you. Is there one person at the dinner table, they just sit there and lounge and eat like nobody needs to do the dishes. Like those dishes are going to do themselves. And you're, you're thinking like, hey, you know, the angels don't come to our house and do the dishes. Like get up already. We ate. And we get this Martha complex when nobody's moving. Nobody's really anxious about getting this done. And this is, this is the, the story that we see here that Jesus is telling. And Martha gets such a bad rap, but I think if we're honest, we can find a little bit of Martha in all of us, can't we? It's been said like this, if Satan cannot entice you to jump into a pit of sin, he'll settle for just keeping you busy. If he can't get you just to dive headlong into some moral failing, then Satan's content just to go ahead and speed up your time, just keep you busy. Just make sure you never absorb any of that margin space. Why? Because he knows that the best times in life are spent in the margin. He knows that the best times that you, you, you find yourself in a spirit of worship, in an atmosphere of environment of, of giving praise to God is when you're basking and relaxing and receiving in the presence of God. That's done in the margin. You can be busy and be serving God and after a long day, like we have big events around here and, and people are serving and volunteering and we're sweating and we're setting up tents and we're setting up all kinds of bounce houses. You can, you can enjoy that when you look back on it, but you're exhausted, you're tired. You don't know all the activities that were really happening. You're just kind of glad that the event is over. But there is something altogether different about coming into a place where there is no duty, there is no responsibility, there is no high expectation, there is nothing that you have to do next. You just simply bask in the presence of Jesus. Amen. Now, what was it about Mary that caused her to cast off all restraint and with reckless abandon pour out her worship upon Jesus? She knew that the party had to happen. Mary knew that Martha was in there serving, that she was in there busy and, and, and working. What was it about Mary that caused her to sit instead at the feet of Jesus, to let the world pass her by, to not be afraid of missing out on something in the kitchen because she was doing the thing that she desired the most. What was it about Mary that caused her to do that? With laser beam focus, Mary had on her heart and on her mind that I may never get this moment back. I am with Jesus. And this is the most important moment. I am with Jesus and that is enough. The world is clamoring. The world is busy. A lot of voices are calling me. There's distractions that are plaguing me, but I'm with Jesus and that is enough. When was the last time that being with Jesus was just simply enough? Maybe over the next days and weeks, you can really pray about and, and ask God to give you the settledness of heart to allow yourself to say, I'm just going to be with Jesus and that's enough.
Maybe that margin for you is five minutes. Maybe it's 15 minutes. It could be 50 minutes. It, may, it, it could be hours. I don't know how, how much time that you really have. But all of us can resolve to do something in the margin. All of us can resolve to push something out of our schedule so that we can create this margin. And see, holidays are coming up and it's those family gatherings that, that cause us to, to really start to be elevated in all of the busyness and the activities. And especially when the news tells us that there might be a turkey shortage this year, you better get out and get it early. But they're not on sale yet, but you better get out and get it early. And all of the demands of our time and our life and the worries and the cares that we allow absorb into our heart, they come out, they leak out of us in some way or another. Notice this about Martha. Martha was convinced that her being busy in this moment was the right thing. That it was the right thing. And most of us, when we're busy doing the necessary things in life, we are also convinced that it is the right thing that we must maintain this pace, that there are things that have to be done and if I don't do it, they're not gonna get done. Look at what she says. Lord, don't you care that I'm in here serving and my sister's sitting at your feet having a prayer meeting? Don't you care that I'm the one working and she's the one being lazy? She thought she was right. I fully believe that Martha expected a repudiation from Jesus to Mary. I, I, Martha was so convinced that she was doing the right thing. She was doing the responsible thing. She was doing the urgent. After all, somebody had to do it. Somebody had to get the dinner setting ready. Somebody had to get the house swept. Somebody had to get the, the, the guests prepared for. Somebody had to do it. And she was so convinced that her busyness was the right thing that she appealed to the higher power. She appealed to the authority in the house. She appealed to Jesus himself and said, Jesus, tell her. We talked about this, Jesus, get on her. Sick him, Jesus, right? We do that, we have these conversations with God, right? Lord, you know what I'm doing is the best thing over here, so why don't you get over here and start blessing it, right? Instead, Henry Blackaby says, why don't you, instead of asking God to come and bless your activity, why don't you find where God's blessing and go get involved in that activity? Why don't we look around and say, okay, God, where does it seem like people are living the abundant life? Where in my life can I find somebody who seems to be filled with joy unspeakable and they're full of glory, even though I know that in the midst of their dark moments, they're going through hell and high water, but they still somehow have a joy in their heart. They have a lightness in their step. They have a smile on their face and they lift up their hands. I want to find those kind of people and say, help me be like you. I want to be just like you when I grow up. Help me be like that. And when I'm going through, I want to link arms with someone like that. I'm not talking about somebody who denies reality and always going to pat you on the back. Sometimes those are the very people that will speak a word of truth and love to you. It may be in the form of a rebuke. Are you going to receive it? Or are you going to be so proud like Martha and think, well, I know that I'm doing the right thing. Jesus just needs to fix this. And I'll appeal to Jesus. That's what she did. She thought that she was doing the right thing. But Matthew 7 and 13 gives us this, this word picture by Jesus. He said that there is a wide gate and there is a narrow gate. And blessed are those who go through the narrow gate for many are those who go through the wide gate of destruction, but those who go through the narrow gate find life and few there be that find it. Now, Jesus is talking here about abundant life in the here and now. Now, there is certainly many teachings about the life hereafter. 
And there is a judgment in the life to come, life after death. But Jesus is talking here in context about finding this life path in the here and now. And he said, there's only going to be a narrow way. And there's few actually that will walk in this way because broad is the gate that leads to destruction, destruction of your time, destruction of your talents, destruction of your resources, limitedness all around you. That is a wide gate and people are droning in the masses towards that wide gate. That's why anxiety and hypertension and stress is at an epidemic level in our nation. No other nation in the world has the kind of rates of anxiety and stress and hand-wringing that Americans do. And yet no other place in the world has the kind of opulence, the access, the abilities, the privilege, the opportunities that America has. We have so many choices today that we actually enter into paralysis of analysis. We are all the time analyzing our choices and it gets us to a place of not even able to choose one thing to do and we paralyze. We get so worn out, so busy, so fatigued and so stressed. And Jesus said, there is this narrow way and it's the way to life. See, margins aren't big, margins are small. The writing on the page, that's the Broadway. You can say busy just in there, but in the margins are where the beautiful things happen. Romans 12 tells us that we can either be conformed or we can be transformed. And if we go by default modes of this world, then we are gonna conform. The world's model is a conformist model. Just toe the line, just stay in step. Everybody's doing it, just go with the flow. Don't rock the boat, baby, don't rock the boat. That's what the world tells us. But God's word comes and says, you know what? There is a different schema. There is a different mindset. There's a whole nother reality for a child of God. That as you surrender your heart and mind to God, you know, you serve God with your mind. You don't have to check your mind at the door when you become a Christian. You should be thinking about what you're thinking is that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I believe that what Martha was doing was she was conforming. She was going with the norms of her day. She was being a good hostess. God bless her for that. But Mary was being transformed. She was renewing her mind as she was basking and sitting and worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Notice what a sitting uh, stature does. The position of sitting means that you are rest. You are at rest. You are a calm. You, you are not working when you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it says of Mary that she chose the good part. She chose the good part. In his book of mysteries, Jonathan Kahn talks about the difference of a limitless heaven and a limited earth. And, and I just want to kind of recap a couple of things he says here about this is, is that the word heaven in Hebrew is Shemayan and the word earth is Eretz. Anytime a Hebrew word ends in I am, it means it's a plural. And, and this, is, this is illustrated in Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth, singular. So Shemayan, heavens, every time you see this word heavens, it speaks of 
something that is without limit. They say that even today, scientists have, have tried to probe the ends of the galaxies and, and, and the farthest distance that we can get. And it, it appears as though it keeps going on and on and on and on. And it's like, wow, did that happen just out of evolution? Was that happenstance? No, that was by divine design. There was a creator that made all that. And so when we get our, our hearts settled upon things of the earth, they are finite, they are limited, they can only fulfill so much. And that's why when we come into God's house, when we come into a place of worship, you see the temple all the way through the Old Testament, the Old Testament tabernacle, you see the temple being built and constructed, people would come and they would worship at the temple, they would go there to get rejuvenated, to get renewed, to worship God, they would go back out into their lives. And every seven days they would come and they would Sabbath and they would worship before God. It was a refueling because everything out there, everything in the earth is limited, but the heavenly realm in reality is limitless. So we pray like this, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying for our limited needs in the Lord's prayer, the disciples prayer, Jesus gave to us, we're praying for our limited needs to a limitless God in a place that has no limits. We settle and refocus our lives every seven days when we come together and we say, we are bringing our sacrifice of praise with thanksgiving to God because all of our limits have been exhausted and we now need to seek something to fill our hearts that is limitless. Because if all we're ever doing is filling our hearts with the things of this world, it will never satisfy. Talk to any person who has a hobby, talk to any fisherman, talk to any car collector, talk to any person who, who collects jewelry or anything that is, is made in fashion on this earth. And you'll find that with every fisherman, there's always another lure. There's always a bigger fishing pole. Come on, stepping on some to toes over here. There's always another accessory for that car. There's always something new later and greater. There's always a model that you don't have yet. There's always something that just as soon as you get one project done, now you can polish on and do another project. That's because everything of this earth has limits. And it makes you happy really more to dream about it and to think about it than to actually do it. Once you get it done, it's like, oh, okay, that really didn't fulfill like I thought. But when you spend time in the margin with God, when you spend time at the feet of Jesus, when you bask in the presence of the Almighty, you recognize that there's something that is limitless about this. There is something that satisfies and fills my heart like nothing else can do. And this is what Mary was doing at the feet of Jesus, is she was filling up her heart with all things eternal, with the spiritual. And when we sit at Jesus' feet, it may only be for a couple minutes. I've told you before, it can maybe be a breath prayer. What's a breath prayer? Help, Lord. Yahweh. You know, when you breathe in and breathe out, the ancient Hebrews would make the sound Yahweh. It's a breath prayer, Yahweh. You may not have a lot of time today, tomorrow, next week, but you have a little bit of margin that you can seize upon. Because when our margin goes down, our stress goes up. And conversely, when our margin goes up, our stress goes down. 
we're running 10 minutes ahead of time and there's traffic, we slow down, we calm, we rest. It's okay. I have time. I'll still get there on time. If we leave one minute until the time it says we're going to get there, now we're anxiety ridden. We have to rush. We have to hurry. And then we start losing our religion on the road when that person in front of us taps their brakes. They don't speed on through that orange light. You know what I'm talking about. It wasn't red, it wasn't green, it was just kind of orange. We live in a hurry. We find ourselves being critical of those people who are taking a longer time in line in front of us and we chose the wrong line. Anybody else feel like you always choose the wrong line? I mean, I tell Holly, I, cho- I always choose the wrong line. Is that true? No, not really. But if I'm always in a hurry, then it will appear as though I'm always choosing the wrong line. What about choosing intentionally the longest line? What about intentionally choosing as a discipline to park as far away as you can? Pass up those three spots instead of trying to drive like bumper cars and get in there before the other guy. Just wave them on through and go on and park way down in Scooby-Doo E in Walmart. Take a picture of where you're at so you know how to get back to your car. I noticed that happened. I got past 40 and they told me your eyes and, you know, I know, well, no, my eyes aren't. 40 was great. 41 started to have, now 43, I'm like holding things back here. Find a place and find a time in your day to create some margin, to not be in such a hurry. Maybe it would do us good to enjoy the walk from the far lot. Maybe God has a blessing for someone else to have that close spot. Maybe there is something in our day building in the margin that will allow God's spirit to speak to us, answering a question, fulfilling a desire that we're too busy to hear any other time and we have to discipline ourselves to do a different routine, to set aside as sacred some margin space for God. Decreased margin leads to increased stress. And here's what I know about life, especially being an adult, is that just as soon as things slow down in about two weeks, I'll take care of that. I'll give you a call. We'll get that meeting. And I've been living two weeks for the last two years. It never happens. Like, oh, there'd be a, a break in the action. No, you have to make a break in the action. Amen. You do. You have to make it. Someone messaged me the other day. His pastor friend of mine, he's in Florida. And, and I know that he's, he's really, he's a church planner. He's really kind of eking it out and struggling it out. And, uh, and I just, I want to be an encouragement as much as I can to guys. And he said, Pastor Joe, if you get some time here in the next week or so, can, can we have a Zoom call? Can we talk? I need to ask you a question. And I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be an encouragement and I wanted to say, yeah, let's do that. But I know that I really don't have a lot of margin. I don't have a lot of time to, to do that right now. But here instead, on the inside of me, the spirit spoke up and said to him, I will make time and we'll get on that call together. Of course, you don't have just this extra time. We all are limited. There's 24 hours in a day. But make time. Make time for what's most important. Because when you do, you will be choosing the good part. I want to read to you this passage of scripture out of another translation. 
This is out of the Passion Bible. It's Luke chapter 10, verse 41. Listen to what Jesus responds. Listen to Jesus' words here. It says, the Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all of these many distractions? Mary has discovered one thing most important. By choosing to sit at my feet, she is undistracted and I won't take this privilege away from her. Listen to the words of Jesus. Martha, my beloved Martha. Can you hear the compassion in his words to Martha? Can you feel and can you sense how Jesus truly understands that we knock Martha in this story all the time. We cast her as this busy, know-it-all, kind of busy body, won't slow down. But Jesus looks at her through different eyes, through eyes of compassion. Jesus is, is trying to speak her language, trying to get in her level. And he's saying, you are my beloved. You could be here too. Don't distract Mary. She's undistracted right now. Martha, my beloved Martha, she's chosen her choice. She's chosen. You could choose. She's chosen. You can choose. She's chosen the good part. My question to you today is, will you choose the good part? Over these next couple of weeks, it's not enough just to simply give thanks. It's not enough simply just to, to inventory your life and all of your material blessings and that you have a family who loves you, you have a church family that you can fellowship with. It's not enough to just do that. But will you choose the good part? Will you choose in the margin to sit at the feet of Jesus? One of the advantages and sometimes disadvantages to pastoring for 16 years is that I've chronicled and written a lot of things over the years. And this, what I'm about to share with you is, is not one of my finer moments, but it goes succinctly with the message today. And when I wrote this at first, it said a couple years ago, but this has been over nine years now that I wrote this, that I experienced this. And I wanna share with you because at this church, we are real people experiencing real freedom, which means that we all have struggles. We all have hurts and hangups and we need to be transparent. And I'm about to share with you a story from nine years ago, but I wanna tell you that Pastor Joe didn't get this fixed nine years ago and he's never done this since. I've struggled with this in the last five days. You say, well, you should be in a remedial class. You didn't learn your lesson. That's right. I've been on a remedial program for a long time, but the Lord suffers well with me. But I wrote this down and I want to share it with you today. About nine years ago, after a busy day at work, I took Carson to our small sit-down restaurant in town, just the two of us. He was about nine years old at the time. As he talked about his day, I was halfway paying attention, but I was really focused on catching up on my emails, the current and breaking news of the day, and all of the things that I had to do in that moment on my phone. I didn't really notice her, but from the corner, there was this table, and sitting at that table was a disheveled, sad-looking, lonely, middle-aged lady. As she approached our table on her way to pay her bill with eyes to the ground. She handed me a note and she simply said, here, this is for you. I never had this happen before. So I simply said, thank you. And I went back to my meal, though I was very curious. 
When I opened the note, she had already gone, but here is what it said. Dear sir, for the past 30 minutes, I have watched you from the corner as you've played on your phone. And that little guy sitting across the table from you, all he wanted was your attention, but you're too busy. He's not going to be young forever. So you may wanna pay attention to him now. Honestly, I was a bit offended at first. After all, I've worked hard today. Hey lady, you don't know how much time I really spend with my kids. After all, I'm a pastor. I know the importance of family life. Anyway, I was just multitasking. Who gave you the right to rebuke me? Then Carson asked, Daddy, what did that lady give you? Oh, just a note, I said. Really? What did it say? And like a ton of bricks, conviction of the Holy Ghost touched my heart. And I knew that she was spot on. I was not paying full attention to my son. Those emails could wait. The breaking news that I was so interested in, well, it was gonna be out of date in 24 hours anyway. What if this lady didn't have a family? What if she had suffered a loss, maybe of a child or someone close to her? And then I thought, I bet she didn't wanna be eating alone in silence at that corner table. I bet she would have loved to have had company of someone and how it must have pained her to watch me in my privilege squander my moment when I could have been in the margin. Let such an opportune time with my son pass by. This woman cared enough to write me a note and it wasn't a rebuke. It was a gentle and direct warning from a stranger. She cared enough to point out a blind spot in my life. Maybe today you've heard this story and you find yourself more often as a Martha than you do a Mary. And the word of God is coming to you in a gentle and subtle way to say, the choice is yours. Choose the good part. Choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Choose to be fed by the things of heaven the limitless God instead of the limited earth. Choose the good part.